When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I have Coach Denneke with me. He is new offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Western Illinois University. Coach, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. That That's the best combo, offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, I think. I think that's the best combo. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you don't see it all that often, but I'm really excited for this opportunity and, and very thankful to be on staff. You know, the McComb's been great so far and excited to get started spring practice in March. I can't believe spring football is going to be here. Football like just ended for college and it's going to be right back before you know it. You guys don't get much right. time off. Yeah. No, you go from the season to recruiting and then you're back into to winter workouts and spring getting ready for spring practice. So uh, not, a, not a lot of layoff, but, um, you know, that's why you get into it, right? That's I don't need too much time. Off. I don't got any hobbies. <laughs> That is your hobby. That's all you have, is right. That's that's it. You know, you know, get me through spring practice, and I'll hit the golf course a little bit. But uh, in t- until that happens, I'm good uh, grinding on some tape. I was gonna say, being new, like you said, you literally start. I think February first. Um, Correct. What goes into your mindset when you're first starting? Like, how do you, like do you start meeting the players first? Is it recruiting first? Depending on what time you're hired, like what kind of goes into that? At a brand new school, and spring ball is literally right around the corner. Yeah, you know, I started um, by watching last year's season with our head coach, uh, Coach Hendrickson. Um, you know, recruiting was pretty much wrapped up. I, you know, my start date was signing day, so they did an unbelievable job signing a, a class at the mid-year day, and um, I didn't have too much to to handle when I got when I got brought on. So it's really just been getting a, a feel for the offense and. You know, Coach Hendrickson's a brilliant offensive coach, so he's still going to be involved. And, you know, we're kind of melding our ideas and see where we want to take this. So, again, just seeing what our personnel looks like, getting uh, an idea of what we have coming back and what what holes we still may need to fill. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly how all that worked because I think someone just got hired still. Like, they're still hiring. Like, sometimes college football coaches are still Mm -hmm. hiring. um, Because when you come in with your offense, you have to look at the players and say, how can I – fit this to them right you can't come in and say this is all we're going to do until you see what you have oh absolutely it's it's players not place um you, know, you have to have a broad knowledge and be able to adjust based on your personnel um give the guys to, on the field the best chance of being successful and to do that you got to mold and morph and stick to your your core values but figure out what they can do best right i 
I do. I'm the horrible offensive guy. I'm like, we can do this. And then you go look at it, and you're like, nope, nope, nope. Throw that out the window. We don't need that. Yeah, and that's the beauty of spring practice. You can experiment a little bit and put guys in difficult situations, and and really just see them compete and you know understand skill sets a little bit better and and see how they've grown in the off season. So we're excited to see what we have coming back, and we have some really good players coming in um, that joined us at the mid year, and then will also be joining us in the fall. So. Again, it's just about figuring out what this particular group does well and having an educated guess off of last year's tape. But at the same time, um, you know, there's going to be some changes and, you know, we just got to figure out how we can, you know, best put these guys in position to succeed. So how did you end up at Western? Because I think when I first was going to have you on, you were somewhere, you're at Valpo University and then now you're at Western. Mm -hmm. So it's just a big flip flop of changing. So, like, what was your journey to get to Western? Yeah, so I got hired at Valpo back uh, this time last year, um, and then we had a solid season. Um, and I was able to get in touch with Coach Hendrickson through a mutual friend, and um, one thing led to another, and I interviewed and was offered the position, and you know, I you know, jumped at it. It was everything I'd been looking for, and you know, excited to be a first-time coordinator, and um, you know, that was really the selling point. It's the best fcs conference and mm-hmm. um it was really a no-brainer once the opportunity presented itself but you know a little bit of uh got to get lucky in this profession profession mm-hmm. right place right time and um you're in you're in a position where people are able to recommend you uh, and once you get on campus and, and interview you just got to put your best foot forward there and coach felt like it was a good fit so here we are yeah sometimes it's who you know and what you know i know they say it's who you know not right. what you know i kind of think it's both sometimes it has to be both yeah you you know, you got to put yourself in a good position where people are comfortable recommending you. And, you know, very rarely in this profession are you hired, you know, on a cold call. You know, mm-hmm. There's usually some sort of recommendation, but you still got to be able to to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about you know, during the interview process. So it is, it is definitely a little bit of both. And, again, just extremely fortunate. Uh, super happy to be here. It's, it's a great staff that we have in place, and um, I'm excited to get going. Probably being an O-line coach helped you out, too, because I know for me, moving up, we were talking before, I moved from central Illinois mm-hmm. up to the suburbs, which is about two and a half, three hours. And to get coaching, what stuck out to everybody, oh, you coached O-line before and you played O-line? We need you. Because, like, so I started to think about it. I was like, is there no O-line coaches anymore? Do people not want to do it anymore? And I put a poll out last week, actually, and I said, what's the hardest position to coach? And it was like, offensive line is the hardest one. And I'm like, okay, that's why I'm sticking out like a sore thumb because I'm an offensive lineman and I coached O-line. So I think that actually helps some of us get hired sometimes because, like, up here people don't want to do it. Like our head coach now, he did it before I got here, and he played linebacker in college. So he was like, just hit him. And I'm like, no, there's footwork, there's this, there's that. And so I think sometimes that helps me personally think, oh, you're an O-line coach, you're going to get hired. You stick out more, I think, when you coach that. Yeah, if you can find a good one, I you know I was a little biased, but I think they're pretty invaluable. <laughs> it's such a misunderstood position at times, and you know it's gotten a lot more, more attention recently. And and uh, you know social media has really exposed good offensive line play, um, and it's kind of exposed people that don't know what they're talking about at the same, same time. So um, I had to, like to think I have a decent tradition of success, and we've had some good offensive lines over the course of my career, and, and just. I couldn't imagine coaching another position at this point. I've I've done a little bit of everything through the early part of my career, but this will be my uh, sixth straight season and 10th overall coaching offensive line. Yeah, I 
I had a small stint doing quarterbacks when I was I was an offensive coordinator like age 23, I think. I think I was that young. And <clears throat> nobody could do quarterback. And I said, screw it, I'll do it. I'm the offensive coordinator, I'll do it. Somebody else do O-line. First year, I liked it because I was like, this is new, this is different. Then mm-hmm. the second year, I'm like, this is boring. You're just throwing a football around. You're not hitting anybody. You're not doing this. And I would always look down at the O-lineman and be like, I'll be right back. And I'd go down there and check in and be like, how's it going down here? And uh, like I said, I did a little bit of everything, but that was the last time. And that was 2017. So ever since then, it's been O-line the, the, the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And I've kept it because, like I said, it just helps me get a job. Like if somebody – I bounced around a couple of high schools, but the main, the common thing was – Offensive line coach, offensive line coach, offensive line coach. Because, and they let me do what I want. Because, like you said, we're kind of invaluable. Even if I'm the stupidest person on right. the planet, which I am, I think. You, they, 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 it's funny. People are like, well, how are you coaching this? And I have to tell them footwork and this. And I'm like, man, how can you see all five at one time? And I was like, you got to look quick. Your eyes got to move. Like, there's no what you can't blink. As soon as you blink, it's over. Yeah, it's a trained skill. You know, as a young coach, that's something I struggled with. Certainly, is uh, being able to see the game on the field. You know, as opposed from the all twenty-two version, and something I put a lot of time into because you got to be able to see it. You got to be able to adjust. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's always going to come come to you for answers, whether it's protection or run game or whatever the case might be. So you got to be able to see it and have the answers ready and be able to make the the end game adjustments. Yeah, uh, and I know about you. Do you have another O-line coach with you to help you out with that or like a GA? Uh, no. You know, with the last couple of years, it's been mostly the tight ends coach that, oh, okay. you know, I'll be, I've been on the field. The tight ends coach has been in the box at my last two stops. And that's kind of how we handle that communication. And then that is what I did when I GA uh, my three years at Nevada is I was up in the box communicating with the O-line coach or the D-line coach for the two years I was on defense. Um but no, not sure exactly how it's going to work out at Western this year. Um, but the, I guess this five previous years, that's how it's been. Yeah, I've only had another communication tight ends coach. Yeah, there's only been two of us one time, and it was the best thing ever because you could he could look at half, I could look at the other half. Mm-hmm. Then when it's all on you, like you said, you're quick to blame too if they get sacked. Well, what happened in the protection? And a couple of times right. I'm like the quarterback moved the wrong way or the quarterback did this then there's times like well we just whiffed or we just went the wrong way don't worry about it but like right. what happened what happened on the backside? well i'm trying to see all of it my bad like you're mm-hmm. by yourself like my bad definitely have to have trained eyes and have the discipline to, to not watch the ball and just know what you're supposed to be looking at and see your responsibilities um but yeah, I mean, again, if there's an adjustment that needs to be made, you got to be able to see it on the fly. And never a good feeling if you didn't see it and you come in on Sunday and said, well, that's an easy fix if we just would have recognized it. <laughs> or the, the, the. So try and stay out of those situations. I bound a staff before where the meeting was literally a replay of the game. And I had to stand up and say, I was there. I know what happened. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Those right, are the worst. Right. No, again. It always comes down to you just got to make sure you have answers. And if, if you're confident in your scheme, you should know the adjustments. And that's something that, you know, we've prided ourselves on in the past is, you know, training the kids to have those responses. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not blocking, you're not blocking looks, you're blocking rules. Um, and if the, so if the picture changes and something happens, you can get out of a bad situation without a catastrophe. Right. That was a big mistake as a young coach was, well, you have rules, but then it was, we'll break the rules when this happens or add more to it. Right. And and the older I got, right. it's changed. 
Absolutely. Same here. Same here. It was, uh, well, if they give us this exact look, this is a great response. They'll never see it coming, but you can't be based on that one picture. You got to be sound to everything they've shown and, and be able to train your players well enough to where if, if it's not exactly what you've practiced, they can adjust on. Right. That's why, um, like, that's why my coach loves power. Cause he's like gap down backer and just pull around, kick out. And I'm like, yep, perfect. But then my mind starts to expand and I'm like, well, what if they do this? What if they do this? Do I change this? Does the tackle right. kick out? Does this happen? And then when I start doing that, that's when the kid goes, well, wait a minute, when do I kick out? Or wait a minute, when do I do this? Mm-hmm. So then you add verbiage to it. Right. 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 And it's all about making, to, in my mind, it's something that I'm, we're emphasizing here at Western is, is clearly defining those rules for mm-hmm. the guys. Yep. So that so that when those questions do come up, there's uh, my goal is to eliminate any gray area, mm-hmm. and there is a good amount of teaching that goes up front. But once they learn it, they can they can adjust it to any situation and apply it to any situation. So it's all about being very clear and eliminating the gray area. So what, when those questions do come up, they can usually or critically think and answer it themselves. Right. Just at the high school, like if we want the guy to kick out, we have to be like, Oh, we have to call this and switch. Like it has to be that easy for them to be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm just switching responsibilities. Uh, But then sometimes when you yell that, they're like, well, wait a minute, when do I like, when do I switch? And I'm like, okay, Steve, now we're just take a step back and let's go back to basic. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, go out formation, a guy instead of changing the blocking rule or, you know, that's kind of what we're doing now is figure out how to out for, because we're still a new staff built together. And we're like, we got out formation people. We have to do this, get the same look, get the same result. But like, do we add a tight end wing? Do we add this? Can we get an H back doing this and, and get the same thing out of the front five to make their life easy is what we're working on right now. Same plays, same plays, different ways, you know, right. dress it up and formation and motion it every which way, but still keep your same handful of schemes that the, the players know. Well, um, that's really something that we started uh, when I was at Maine for the six seasons is, we kept our schemes pretty limited. We limited our formations, but we got to those schemes and formations in, in multiple different ways, and we had a good amount of success. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what we're trying to do is do we just have more formations and limited plays, but like like you said, motions and doing shifts or something to make it mm-hmm. get the same result. That's what that's what we're doing. We get I get too complicated sometimes and I admit it to them, like, okay, I start off the season simple and then as it goes on i'm like well we could do this we could do this and then now you're just adding to that kid's plate of what they have to remember and learn and then you start seeing different how in defense is going to stop you because we see a lot of three three stack all of us like seven or six teams out of the nine is a damn three three stack all the time so i think i know how to combat it then they start doing four eyes and ones and they start moving they start shifting they bring that linebacker down well well coach now he's not here now he's here now the rule like so we have to figure all that out because our conference is built that way. And so that's what we're doing right now is making sure the rules, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. stay the same. Yeah, that's what that's we're in the process of doing right now is with our offensive linemen. We've been installing our base schemes and making sure that they are clearly – the rules are clearly defined for them. Um, you know, we want to make sure that they know the base and teach in terms of concepts not assignments um, because your picture changes too much. You, you you don't get enough practice time to go over every single look, but you got to make sure that through the course of spring practice and fall camp and as you're teaching and installing that they know, they know what the starting point is and they know what the, what the thought process is on each, each snap. Right, I go from here. These are my, this is my thought. This is, 
all right, so gaps closed. Where's where's the next defender? And and that we have our ch- pre-snap checklist every play, and that's where in the uh, process of teaching right now, and the guys are really taken to it. It's a really fun group to be around, and uh, you know I'm excited to get off the whiteboard at some point and, mm-hmm. and put some pads on, but can't we uh, can't I'm away. We got to take care of what we what we need to right now before we can uh, before we can practice. Um, so we'll get right to a question. Um to come on here because you said you'd come on here and talk about it, which I had just watched a clinic or went to a Glazier clinic to look at it, which is the duo run scheme mm-hmm. because I didn't know. I kind of knew what it was. And then I got I, during COVID, especially I hopped on the train of like, well, this is just inside zone, right? Because we're double teaming everywhere, but we're reading the end. And I think one time I did it on purpose on Twitter and drew it up, and I was like, inside zone or duo? And I actually pissed a lot of people off, and I didn't mean to. I was just like <laughs> genuinely just putting this on there, and people got yeah, mad those at are me. fighting words. Oh, well, yeah. And it wasn't even the line. It might have been one of them. Maybe, and I apologize. It wasn't me trying to do anything. I was just like, because I think I saw someone else post it, because, you know, COVID, we had all that time on our hands, so it was just kind of like, right. I wonder if I post this. And it was generally a question. I was like, I generally want to know. And it wasn't even the whole line blocking that people got mad about. It was the running back's path. They were like, well, because of this path, it's inside mm-hmm. zone or this path, it's duo. I had I actually had half and half. Um, so I realized from mm-hmm. that moment on that I can no longer joke about it anymore. I was like, I, it's the wing T air raid all over again is what was going on. <laughs> um, so I've been looking at it more and – I've actually heard two things. I've heard where it's power without the polar, kind of. Yeah. But then, like, I've seen people do it where it's just literally double teams everywhere with a tight end with a wing, and it's not necessarily power to them. They're like, we're just double teaming, and if we're going to the right, they're responsible for this, they're responsible for this, and that's it. So can you yeah. can you teach me exactly for you what duo is so I'm not stupid and put that on Twitter ever again? Yeah, for sure. Mad. For sure, yeah, to me – Duo is a gap scheme. Uh, it is power, no pull. Um, the, you know, it really comes down to what you're deeming the play side and what, how you're identifying the point. Uh, for me, duo is a middle of three ID uh, because you're always running it to some sort of closed surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because you have that extra hat front side, you're trying to find what we def- uh, we define as the middle of three. So the middle of three second level threat. So in four, three defense, that should be a mic ID. Um, in duo, you're always IDing for the play side tackle. He's going to be involved in a combo working to the ID, uh, no matter what. Uh, the center is working to the minus or the first, second level player backside of the ID. Uh, again, in a 4 3 structure, should be the will. And then the adjuster, whoever it is, fullback, wing, whoever that seventh element is, he's working to the plus or the first play side back or play side of the ID. Uh, so that's kind of how we break it down. Um, you know, in our two-back structure, the way I learned it is that you ID for the puller. Uh, so that middle of three ID is for the puller, and the, the combo works for the minus or that backside backer. And in duo, you're just eliminating that puller and exchanging those responsibilities on the front side. Okay, because when people said power without the puller, I was like, so you're just telling the front side to get to that backer instead of going to the all the way over, and now the guard doesn't have Correct. to pull it. You're taking care of everything. And then I've, all, mm-hmm. but then people also were like, didn't describe it that way to me. They would just say, well, we're literally just double teaming the closest person and getting to the most dangerous guy. And I'm like, okay, maybe you're mm-hmm. telling me the same thing, just different. 
than that. Yeah, yeah. you know that's, that's that is it in essence. But um, it, it just to me, that's not defined clear enough. Um, I want I want to make sure that our guys always know exactly uh, who they're working to and and how that works out um, based on the ID because everything we do in the run game has a, an ID start point. Uh, most of our closed side runs are that same middle of three ID uh, where we're going to try and find the middle of three second level threats and our open side runs are first play side inside ID. So that first play side threat inside the box working outside in um, now it is duo inside zone. Yes. It, it, it really depends on how you're, you're identifying it. Are you calling the ID front side or are you IDing it to the open side? In which case that would make it inside zone to me and or tight zone or whatever you want to make the pa- the backs path. Um, but if you're calling it duo, it's a gap scheme with with a mic ID. Okay. Um, I've also seen it where they've ran it with five linemen, and then they have a guy go take care of the end, not a wing, like like an H-back. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where it made more sense to me of it being power without the puller because you still have a guy taking care of that, and the linemen are taking mm-hmm. care of everything else. Um, that right. makes way more sense to me. We're- which it essentially is if you're going to do it out of some sort of spread set or, you know 11 personnel y off it would work out the same way where that that y off is taking care of the place that defensive end and your your mic your adjuster who's split out the slot receiver is essentially taking care of the sandbacker and the place side tackle would still be working to the mic so it's all again it's all about where you deem the front side of the play and, and how you how you're telling your combos to work up and then, what are you telling your running back? What are they aiming for in duo? Their their aim point is the play side leg of the center, um, and it is a Mike read. So he is going to read that ID. He's going to take it right to that play side a gap. If the the Mike backer that ID hits downhill, he's looking to bounce. If he plays over the top, he's keeping it tight to the a gap. In which case, his eyes go back to the to the minus the will backer. If he's gonna, if the will backer is going to hang backside, he's going to bang it into the a gap. If the will backer also gets over the top, that's when it becomes a backdoor cut. Okay, maybe that's why I got yelled at on Twitter with the running back and the aiming point of <laughs> what it was. Yeah, and again we. I like it. I think it's the best under center. Uh, that's in Valpo and Maine. That's how we ran the play. Um, so, and it really uh, comes down when you're under center. To me, it all comes down to is the back stepping with the offensive line or is he stepping opposite the offensive line? And that's really what changes it from inside zone to duo in my mind. If I, if I don't know the calls and I'm just looking at it on tape, is, it, is the line stepping left and the back's also stepping left or is he stepping opposite? Because we use my favorite way to do is with counter footwork with the back. So he's actually going to jab with the offensive line to the direction they're stepping and then come back play side because it really holds that Mike backer to where if he steps play side right now, that backer is much more likely to get over the top. And you really want that backer to hang. You know, if you're running duo, you want that thing out out the front side. The biggest one, the biggest games happen on the bounce. So you want the you want to have leverage on the on the ID. You know, that's the key to the play is you're game planning it. I want to make sure that I have leverage on, on the ID and, and try and seal it inside to give the back the best chance to to press and bounce. Okay, that makes sense because like I said, the clinic I was at was just talking about footwork of alignment. Like, okay, they're gonna mm-hmm. I think you call it skating, but it's kind of like a gallop where they're going into them. Um yep how they double team 
and everything else. But the, he didn't talk about – I didn't get a chance to ask about the running back because I kind of teach inside zone. He's running to the inside leg of the center also. But that's because I'm dealing with high school kids that if you tell them to aim for the guard like everybody else does or the leg of the guard, they start to aim farther out. If it's cloudy, like right there, they try to just keep aiming right. that way. So I try to overcompensate and say if they aim right at the center – Hopefully that gets them to aim where I need them to aim so they can get that better cutback lane on inside zone. And that's why, like you said, duo, every time I look at it, it's more like downhill to right here to where you're still going. still downhill even if it's in the B gap instead of A gap. It's still going downhill. Correct. Correct. And you're running it to what will be, dirt in our terms, deemed the play side, which would be the tight end wing or tight end, you know, uh, fullback side. Um but the offensive line is stepping away from the play call. So we're if it's duo left, we're all stepping right and looking at, again, just create a giant, a wall of down blocks with as many combos as we can to give the back the ability to press and either bang it inside or, or bounce it out based on leverage. Okay, so yeah, you call opposite. So like duo left, linemen are going to the left. Is that what that duo is? Left, we're stepping, duo left, we're stepping right. Oh, that's right, yeah. So left, dip- right. Yeah, so the, our zone and gap footwork is pretty much mirrored. The only difference between a zone step and a gap step, um, besides our aim point up front uh, on the defensive line, is that a, a zone step, you step play side, foot first, mm-hmm. no matter what, and mm-hmm. a gap scheme, you step backside, foot first, no matter what. So if we're running duo left, we, we know no matter what, uh, we're stepping right foot first. Okay. And – the I think where, at least for stupid people like me, where we're like, this is inside zone, is because we're just double team all over the place. So it gives that look of duo, even though it's inside zone. But we don't block the defensive end, obviously, because it's a zone read, so we're reading that person. So that was like the right. difference of that. And, and In my mind... The way the way I've kind of explained it in the past is if you're going to read someone on the on the back side or the front side of duo, it really just becomes tight zone, where that back is is taking a if you're putting in zone terms, he's taking backside aim point mm-hmm. and it's never going to bounce front side. Um, so he is backside leg of the guard to backside cut back mm-hmm. to whereas if it's in. He's going to chase either the play side, the inside leg of the play side guard or the play side leg of the center, one of the two, where he's going to move with the offensive line for at least his initial read, whereas tight zone or gun duo, mm-hmm. he's he's down right now. He's not crossing that center's midline. So why do you think us stupid people start to say this is inside zone and not duo all forever? You know, us stupid people. <laughs> People need some to argue about on Twitter. I mean, what, the, 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 to me, the, it's really – there's some times where I think you can clearly tell, but unless you truly know the point or their rules, it's really hard to tell because there is a lot of crossover. Um, a lot of people teach it in similar manners. Like if you t- – especially if you take the backfield action out of it, if you just showed an offensive line group, it's very hard mm-hmm. in my mind to tell the difference between the two. Um, I think the only way I could tell the difference sometimes is linemen because I don't gallop. I don't have them gallop on zone. I just have them, you know, they they run their feet. And then the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm like, okay, he's – I call it gallop. I know maybe not everybody does it, but they're galloping or they're, 
you know, the way they're getting the flipper in there and like double teaming. And that's a good way to tell. Um, and then just how quickly they're getting to the linebacker and zone. They're quickly getting there because they want that cutback or they want to follow that. I feel like with duo or power, you're really pushing them longer because they can push harder and then make that in duo. Yeah. If, if someone asks me and I'm watching, it's all about the back's path. If, is he crossing the, the midline of the center and moving with the offensive line, especially if it's with uh, in the gun? Mm-hmm. Or is he taking a uh, an aim point away from where the offensive line is stepping? So if the offensive line is stepping right, does he cross the center's midline or is he staying to that left leg of the center? And that's really how, usually how I make a determination. Or do they straight open up? You know, we, that was our open – uh, tap footwork at Valpo where again we're stepping right the back goes left it, uh, from under center if he's going if he's going opposite the flow of the offensive line that's duo if he's going with it that's zone in my mind which I, that makes a lot of sense to get those linebackers flowing that's great mm-hmm. I, I wrote that down I was like because right. this is something I'm looking to do maybe instead of zone I'm a zone guy but the more I'm looking at mm-hmm. it, the more I'm like, maybe I need to do this. You know, like me and the head coach were talking. Yeah. So that's why I've been all over it. Like, because we run ISO too. And so we were like, oh, this is kind of like ISO. And I was like, eh, kind of, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit. We just don't have the insert guy or anything. Yeah. Like, don't have the insert guy. You know, if you are running it from some sort of eye back or offset, you know, king or queen set, it just eliminates as many of those single blocks as you can. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get some sort of of double team um, usually on two, the two interior players, um, you know, to do it, you got to have the tight ends are, are crucial because you mm-hmm. got to be able to have the guy that, that can handle a seven technique on his own. But if you, if you feel good about that matchup, it's a very safe play. Um, it was extremely efficient for us uh, going back to the days at Maine. Um, and it, if you have the right back, it gives you the ability to be extremely explosive while really also really limiting your negative because you're not, Pullers, you should always have eyes to gaps, mm-hmm. um, and, you sh- and you should always have help at the point of attack. Was this like? I think you might have just said it, and I didn't hear you. Has this been like one of the main plays you personally have been around, or has it been other run plays that have probably been more of a staple? Uh, for, for at least the last six years, um, starting in 2018 when I took over as the old line coach in Maine, uh, myself and the offensive coordinator, coordinator Nick Charlton, who's now the OC at UConn, uh, we really invested a lot of time in the play. Um, so we we kind of grew it uh, in 2018 and 2019 to where it was our, our base run. Um, and then in uh, 2021, we really expanded on it and went to um, – some nice it was almost all out of condensed packages so mm-hmm. we we were finding ways to run it with the cross motion and and wrapping guys around post snap so it really uh really evolved um since 2018 i've kind of steadily been been growing it and we did a good amount of it at valpo this past year as well because uh, our offense coordinator will fleming came from boston college where they you know they were obviously a, a heavy run operation uh, and we really jived on on the duo aspect so yeah it's been since 2018 it's something that i've really prided myself on and and ran a good bit of um what other run play it might be inside zone is that the one that where you still reps in it maybe is inside zone or is it more uh counter power where you're like we're going to steal reps and blocking it the in terms of like a, in terms of a compliment yeah like what what would it could be a compliment to that the best way 
I think so. The way we uh, approached it was duo was our closed side run. Mm-hmm. So then you also need to have your open side run, which depending on your uh, personnel. I think open side outside zone is a great complement for it because if you don't have the leverage to run duo, you should be able to have good leverage to reach and run off the backside because, you know, duo combo, combo, combo. And then all of a sudden you get, you get backside cut off and get reached. It really keeps the defense off balance. Um, so that was our, our best compliment. Counter is also good if you can run it to the open side. Mm-hmm. And then you're also looking for some sort of true perimeter run. Uh, so again, when we got into our condensed sets uh, this past year at, at or two years ago at Maine, it's a lot of crack toss um, because you're you're in some sort of bunch majority of the time. Um, so you can get into some some crack toss or pin pull uh, or jet sweep to truly get the ball on the mm-hmm. to be able to attack all three field zones. And that again, that like I said, it evolved over time, and that was when we were really our, at our best on offense, is where we could limit our formations, know the looks, and have ways to attack. You know, the closed surface, the open surface, and the perimeter. Yeah, because I I have two different off seasons. Last year, I dove real. I finally put my foot down. I said, we're running wide zone. Like that was my coming. We had, they had never done it before. I said, we are doing it. I have invested time in it. Then last summer, podcast wise, on my own wise, like really dove into it. And the compliment off of it was GT. Like the way they were telling me, like, just run GT. Cause if you're running wide zone, right? Wide zone, which I made that mistake too. I said, is it wide zone or outside zone? And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. They're two completely different things. <laughs> And so I had to. I learned that I didn't offend anybody. I just said I'm so sorry because our D coordinator says outside zone. So it was just in my mind that this is right outside zone or stretch or something. And so I learned very. So I correct my coaching staff. Our coaching staff now when they say outside zone, I'm like no, it's wide zone. Well, how do you know? And I said aiming points of the lineman. I can tell like they're not trying to hook. They're they're, they're and the running back. I look right. at the running back too. Like where's he going? How is he doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you locking the box and trying to get on? The- the perimeter stretch and cut that's uh right you know, how you classify that uh, so we were a little bit more stretch and cut with it because we were normally running it to the open surface mm-hmm. um so, but again if they're gonna try and overload their leverage to take away duo you should have really good angles on the backside to attack um why not what i call outside zone opposite yeah so that was my whole thing last year so this year is going to be duo and what goes off of that. So I always have something where I'm like, you know, because not not too long of a story of like the head coach was hired in February of 2020, and then we all know what happened in March of 2020. It just everything mm-hmm. shut, you know. So we never got a groove. Illinois, we had all three three sports seasons in the spring. So from January to June was right. all three. So we never could get our footing. We could never figure out like. You know, we couldn't install all we want on Zoom, but then we have a six-week season. Like, it's, do we want to install? Do we want to change? Everything. Right. So I just kind of did what they did in the past. Mm-hmm. And then now, and then June 7th, I'll never forget the date, June 7th, the state said, go back to normal. So we started football and basketball, like nothing happened, and we were just go. So we had two football seasons in that same year, and we still just couldn't get our footing of like, install and doing this and doing that the kids were worn out i was calling football plays at basketball practice and vice versa it was right. just so we're fine it was a lot a short period of time oh and i coached track football and basketball it was just it was bad 
and we're just now getting our footing of like figuring out like exactly down to the core system of what to have. And the head coach loves this look at this play. He loves duo because he he's he's a gap scheme guy, so he loves downhill. He loves this. So that's why I'm looking into it. I mean, it looks like an easy play, but it's just more of you know making sure the linemen know where they're going and um, you know the footwork. But that's all I've been looking at is making sure I knew that. Yeah, we we invested a ton of time um, around the time we really were expanding it. The, you know. 2017 offseason, 2018 offseason. Um, the Colts were running a good bit of it. The Rams were just starting to get into it with Coach McVay. Um, so that we just did a ton of offseason studies and kind of pulled different things that we liked and were able to put them in our terminology and um, just kept expanding off of it. Um, dumb question. Because every time I see a drawn up, it's against an even man front. When, you, when you're seeing mm-hmm. like a 3-3 or a 3-5, how much will that mm-hmm. change footwork for linemen or where they're going or aiming? It, it, should, it shouldn't change it at all. Um, you just got to make sure you ID it in your terms, you know, make sure that they, they know. You know, that's what we've been doing at Western the last couple weeks is, you know, how are we, def- how are we defining an odd front versus an even front? Um, how, do, how does that change our ID rules? Um, and really, essentially, the easy answer is you end up on the same people. Um, you know, if you're in uh, a 43 front, all you're doing is that boundary overhang is the is the defensive end, and your your leverage is slightly different, but you should end up on the same people. Um, but no, it, it doesn't change our footwork at all. The way the way that we rule it, it's all based on um, backside gap, open mm-hmm. or closed. So is, is there someone there? And then it goes to are you covered or uncovered off of the front side? So is it you know is it a in four down terms, is it a five or is it a seven? So you can still apply those to the odd front, and you're still working to that Mike backer again, just treating that boundary overhang, whatever you want to call them, as the fourth down. Okay, because like an ISO, if I think of it as ISO, I almost triple team to the nose if we've got five techniques. I try to get my tackles inside, or if the tight end's on there, on the line of scrimmage, because sometimes we'd have a line, like, you know, tight end on the line of scrimmage and a wing, wing inserted. We double team with our mm-hmm. tight end, and I almost had them triple team the nose just because I wanted the running back yeah. to get downhill. Now mm-hmm. is the way we would do it. Now we, we're still, you know, we, when you get, now when you move to the odd stack um, again, you're going to end up on those same people, and essentially, be sec- get sectioned off. So you have three two man combos. So uh, backside guard, backside tackle, take the backside down on the backside stack center play side guard to the nose to middle stack tackle tight end uh play side end play side stack and you just section it off that way okay if you're you know as you get into the odd a little bit more movement that's when we'll move into multi-man combos protecting against gap exchanges and things of that nature but that would be our base way so we're always going to start with two-man combos and then based on uh tendencies and tells we'll expand to three and four mans yeah, because I need the stupid way first. I need the simplest, dumbest way because like I, I'm stupid simple when it comes to stuff. And duo is the best way to do it because, again, you're not introducing variables with pullers. You know, if you get a lot of movement and gaps games and you're worried about block, um, you know, back blocks and, and people crossing the center's face, you know, how are you handling that? The duo backside gap to linebacker, mm-hmm. one-step indicator. So if I step to my backside gap and there's someone there, that's mine. 
Right. If, if there's not, I, ch- I check the gap for one step and then I climb. And that's the, again, the simplest way to do it. You know, that's our base rule for any gap scheme is backside gap to linebacker. And we're, we'll build off of that. But again, it's, it's, it is as simple as that because you're, you're not vacating any gaps on the snap. You're not, you're not pulling, you're not opening up seams where you should have eyes to gap um, across the board. Um, so even if you do get caught in a movement or a pressure, you should at least have the first level secured and, and the back will have a chance to not take a negative. Right. Um, do you always run it under center or will you do it out of shotgun or pistol? We've got, I've, I've done it gun. I've done it pistol. Um, you know, just personally, I think with the, the backfield action you can get from under center, it, it's always a little bit more effective. But again, it, you can do it any which way you want. You know, it's all, again the the rules for for the box are the same for the mm-hmm. for the downs. Again, your middle of three ID backside gap to linebacker that should put everyone on the same page and however f- fits best within your offense of what your quarterback and backs footwork and skill set you want it to be. You can make it work off. Because we'll, we'll we're shotgun team. I'm trying to convince mm-hmm. I'm trying to convince them to go pistol, but that's just me. Um, I think it works better for wide zone than sidecar wide zone. And I think, I think a lot just works better out of, I haven't fully convinced myself to go back to under center. So I can't convince them to do that. I'm, I grew up in the power eye option. And so now I'm like a rebel. I'm like, I can't go back. Like we have to be in gun (laughs) or something or RPO or something. It's not something I thought about. Uh, as a younger coach and then you get around a few more defensive guys and they are they were so heavily back-based in their defensive uh system mm-hmm. when you got in the gun we try and keep it pistol as much as possible uh if we are going to be in the gun you know there's a t- or at least start them and tap them down um right before uh-huh. the snap because so much of what we were seeing was based on back alignments you're not, you know, especially if you're a little bit more spread out and you're 11 personnel, why off, you know, America's formation. No one really cares where the tight end is, at least in the people I was around. It was all about where you put in the back. Um, so I was able to keep them a little bit more off balance, at least holding it and, and not showing your hand quite as early. Well, that's why I wanted to go to it because people knew, oh, he's on the left. He's probably going to the right, like, right, you know, or their left. Right. And they knew and, yeah, and so that's why I was like, let's just go pistol. We get downhill. We can do this. I think it'd work better off this duo thing. I'm researching like an idiot, you know, thinking it's inside zone and, you know, our wide zone, it would work good. I feel like tossing the ball would be good, like that type of stuff. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to it, go to. Takes There's a little less room for error with it, I guess would be the one down, the one downside. But if, if you got a center that puts it back there consistently and a quarterback that can handle the exchange, I think it gives you a little, a few more options. Um, you can, you can, people do it from offset, you know, all the time. People do it very well, but uh, I just think at least hiding the backs alignment initially gives you, gives you a little bit better chance. Um, what would be your second favorite run play besides duo? Uh, I got really into, into crack toss this past, the past couple of years. Uh, I just think it, it again, as a compliment, you know, if people want to be heavy and load on these combos, you just get, uh, leverage on the perimeter. You're able to get it outside. Um, you know, I, I've really tried to expand that package, whether it was with jet motion to jet motion away. Um, again, just finding different ways to get the ball in the perimeter. 
And that's when you'll start pulling your that's alignment. At that point. Yeah. You know, down, down, and around. Again, keep it simple. It's all based on backside gap open or closed. If, if, if there's someone there, that's mine. I'm down. If there's not, I'm around. Um, and again, just clearly defining it and having answers. If they put the end inside the point, they put the end outside the point of the bunch. Um, and just having guys willing to do it was something that was a huge asset for us in the past as we had receivers and tight ends. So we're 100% bought into the to the run blocking aspect because they knew the more effective we ran the ball, the easier the play action shots were going to come. You and my head coach would get along just fine because everything you're saying is speaking his language of yeah. what he wants. And he, he's a defensive yeah, guy. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's my, my thought process has kind of been, you know, you, you never, you're never quite done learning. Um, you know, I learned a ton from the pre-O-line coach who preceded me in Maine. Brian Picucci taught me as much football as I've learned from anybody. Um, and he really instilled this this base knowledge. And I you know, just keep picking up things here or there. Uh, but he's definitely the guy that taught me the majority of what I'm teaching. And um, you know, I like to think that we keep expanding and experimenting every year so it doesn't, it doesn't get stale. That's my problem is I get too much knowledge. Like it's, I call it a football overdose where you just get too much. Mm -hmm. And I blame COVID. I blame COVID and this podcast because COVID, we had nothing better to do. Two. So I, all I did was watch cool clinics. Yeah. Say. Yes. It was crazy. That, that was about it. And like you see, you have so many, there's a lot of great ideas out there and there's no one right way to do things. Um, and that's, you know, that was something that I had to improve on is not trying to do it all. You know, mm -hmm. what are the three to four best things we can do this week and make sure that if you need to pull it out, they have base knowledge of it. And, you know, we'll try and run everything in the spring and figure out. What, um, and then at least you have that that knowledge base, that toolbox to pull from to where if you need to switch it up week to week, there's at least some familiarity and some callback. But you can't have the whole playbook open every week. I did that as an OC. I was um, head coach wanted to have a lot too, but I should have put my foot down and said, "No, we only need like four run plays because we don't need anything else." But here I am going right. like trying to do like an outside zone where we could toss it, you know, like hook it around inside zone, power counter trap. You know, we were doing it all. Like I could keep going on and on and on. ISO. And then my smart self, as I thought I was, was like, well, now we can do RPOs, and RPOs are easy. Right. All it is is you're reading this one guy. Why would I practice it all the time? We'll do it in team, like all that type of stuff. I thought I was the smartest person. Right. Yeah. What was it? The uh, Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, I think they counted 16 different schemes in mm -hmm. uh, that the Patriots ran. And that's why they're the best of the best. As a Bills fan, it hurts say that and i think it might be catching them, but, uh it just you know when we're at our best the last couple of years it's been three to four schemes on base down maybe something else on, is on third down if you really like a certain look or a certain tendency but same plays different ways get to a different formations get to unbalance and fsl and find different ways to get your leverage um and it doesn't when you can do those things and motion and shift and you're 
in my opinion, you know, your rules are solid enough to where it doesn't matter who aligns where. If they know what the starting point is, you can really take advantage of, of different looks. Well, I'm a Bears fan, so you're a much better fan off than I am. Unfortunately. No, it was not for a long time, though. I, I, <laughs> I, I had to earn this one. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just I'm just old enough to not remember the Super Bowl years. So I, this is a, it was a long playoff drought. Well, you know my hopes were up in 2018 when the Bears, you know, before the doink. But you know, ever since then, mm-hmm. it's been uh, uh, a little downhill sledding a little bit. Well, it looks like they got their quarterback, so that's that's half the battle. Yeah. He's okay. He's uh, I'm one of the I'm the, one of the haters, quote unquote. Okay. Okay. Even though I'm okay with it, I'm just not I believe in 3 years. I believe after year 3 he continues to grow and improve. There he is. You know what? That's my yeah. opinion. But what was this year 2 for Fields? Yeah. So like next year if he if yeah. he if he grows and we see a lot I see, me personally see a lot of improvement, I'm like okay, I'm on board, you know. I've been hurt too many times with Bears quarterbacks to, to you know to be like okay this is it, and yeah, that's just me though. <laughs> yeah, and I can't say I always the I had a hundred percent faith in uh, Josh Allen when he was drafted, but I'm sure happy with how it worked out. Well, I think we look at it as a coach too, so I think we look at it a little differently of like this or that and then i see fans post stuff and i say the opposite so i'm a hater and i'm like well wait a minute i'm trying to right. look at it from this angle or i have the all 2022 from the nfl plus so i try to study things and look at it and i'm like right. so i look at it a little different than they do i'll say this going into his rookie season or maybe it's yeah it must have been his rookie year we watched him on crossover tape. We played Central Michigan at Maine, and they played Wyoming in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. And some of the throws he made, it's like a, he's got a chance. Right, right. Uh, Justin Fields, I watched him. I'm an Illinois fan too, so I had to watch Ohio State beat us or beat people. And so I've yeah. watched him, and I hate Ohio State so much, but I had to watch <laughs> it. And, you know, whatever, that's a whole other other topic i guess because i'm the big hater on twitter about justin fields and i've even been asked like you're not a true bears fan and i said well hold on i've endured a lot you know i'm i'm only 32 but i've endured a lot watching this team i've earned my stripes i think with this yeah team. yeah i know i know the feeling i said i think i was five years old for the bills last of the four super bowls so i can't say i really <laughs> recall Hey, at least you've seen it. I've seen one, 2006. I've seen one when Peyton Manning, you know, just stomped us. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? With Duo, will you play action off of that? Or when you play action? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you know, when, again, depending on what schemes we have in that week, we, we I have a action off of each scheme. So we'll have Duo Pat. As we have outside zone action, inside zone action. If it's going to be an inside zone week, we have counter pass. Um, you know, we we try and make sure that we match formationally and match um, scheme. And the beauty of it is the way we rule it up. The rules don't change. You're still responsible for the same people you would be on duo. Um, you're just obviously not going downfield. 
So we try and marry everything up and keep all the rules consistent. So they they're so they'll take all their same footwork and then just kind of turn into a pass protection after they get there, or is it like a quick yeah. pass? Or yeah, the, the, it'd be as aggressive as you can while still executing the protection. So okay. usually that open side tackle, he's got the hardest job. Um, he he's got a little bit of leeway because he's not involved in the cell quite as much. Mm-hmm. But if you got a combo, I better if I turn on the tape like the old Peyton Manning. If it's an action or a run, I should be able to tell for the first three steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're we're going to take advantage of that neutral zone and that leeway down the field. We're going to try and, cl- you know, get vertical push for a yard or two before we reset. Um, if your tackle's ever like by himself and he has to kick out, what kind of footwork mm-hmm. would you have them do to t- to kick this guy out or make sure he doesn't get in the gap? I teach drive catch, so he's going to take a normal pass set. If he feels okay. like he's threatened right now, he's just going to pass set and make sure that he doesn't get beat. Um, if he's tight enough, we'll go to more of a jump set, or if he's confident in his ability to reset. But you know, the the action does no good if you're beat clean off the edge. So that that open side tackle has a little bit more leeway. Um, if he's got to get out there, just take a pass set. Um, and then in the normal run set, if he's by himself. Are you having him take an inside mm-hmm. footpath first to kick him out or go right at him then? We're going right at him because uh, we're always stepping backside foot first no matter what. That, that is a universal rule for, for all the five guys up front. I, I'm just not a huge fan of that inside uh, first step because I think it collapses the edge, especially if you're not as big and strong as whoever you're going against. You can kind of get that backside edge collapsed down to where if that that backside ends a C-gap player and you step at him for a for a step, he's naturally going to soften up just enough because he's got to hold his gap, especially if you're running outside zone as mm-hmm. a complement to the play. Uh, whereas if it's step inside, he knows there's no threat to him right now unless you're running some sort of speed option. Um, so he's just going to collapse and, and press inside. So I just think it gives your tackle a little bit better chance to, of not having to strain and hold. He can be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, because I went to stepping inside – just because I was so afraid of like getting across our face and mm-hmm. it turned into getting blown up because yeah, like you said, they attacked harder. As soon as they stepped inside, right. they squeezed. And right. then, and as soon, as soon as there's no threat to reach, he can hold his gap and he's just going to try and put you in the B gap. So that we'll, we'll still step out. If we're worried about cross space at all, we'll change up our combos to make sure that that guard has eyes to his B gap and make to get the play started. Because, um, you know, we want to make sure that if you need it, you always have help. And that's, mm-hmm. that's all built into our rules. They're, they're all based on alignments. Um, again, backside gap, open, closed, covered or uncovered determines all of our combos. Because um, you have your base rules, and obviously each week – the game plan you have to tweak them is that that just Mm -hmm. is that just communication from the linemen they just know they could have some type of word or communication or just say like help (laughs) Uh, like my line was help all of our combos have individual names um you know it's a it's a good bit of memorization up front but once you get it down you you can say one word and tell the entire group what to do okay Uh, so if we if Based on alignment, you know, one look this week will change it from a two-man to a three-man combo. That'll be a separate call. And there's trying to be word association in some way. It doesn't always play out, but it's, you know, just comes down to base memorization. But, yeah, if, if you know, let's off the backside, you got 
a three and a five and the the minus backers plays wide they got three and two gaps well then we're going to involve the center with the guard and the tackle anticipate the pirate inside because of alignment um, so we're always going to try and give those guys help when needed and if not they know that they're one-on-one so even though they're stepping plays uh, backside foot first they're stepping at that end if, if he were to cross face we'll lock on and if he's heavy we're just going to step straight up and down because off the backside of duo your block's almost inconsequential so we won't even pass set off the backside and treat it like draw almost to try and keep those guys guys guessing because as long as you don't get beat inside mm-hmm. the ball's never get back the ball shouldn't get back there unless there is movement from the backside so as soon as that ends a c-gap player the ball's not getting out to you right okay because that was the one thing I had to learn with wide zone was how more important the front side was than backside. Like backside almost had almost had to have that uh, that hook kind of if they got there. Right. Right. Yeah. It's all it's, duo is all about the front side combo because you're reading the mic backer. You got to make sure that you aren't stalemated in the back and press vertical and cut, and he's not having to make that cut at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield. But as long as you get in the way off the backside, it's a gap to bounce. Right. It's only it's only going backside verse heavy movement over the top and even there yeah. it's got to be it would have to be true and inside for that ball to ever get out the backside C. so like if the guard was by- taking oh sorry go ahead we're taking a near, we're taking a near number aim point on it uh-huh. so we're always going to be inside out um so again we you can switch up and kind of keep them guessing off the backside um with the pass set with the as long as you don't get beat inside when you don't have help. But again, if you if you don't have help, you shouldn't be over aggressive, get in the way because the ball's not getting out to you. It doesn't. You know, we want to teach them to be aggressive and and play physical, but understand the nature of the play. You know, I don't want to be over aggressive and get swam in because that's the only way I can get a minus on this play. If I if I get in the way and keep him in the C gap, I did my job on the backside. I was ready to say that, like just be in the way. Just just be in the way for mm-hmm. that one to two seconds yep. and be gone. Yep. Yeah. Even, you know, I don't want it again. It's an era. I get extended and shed. The ball should be gone. It's a long way for it to chase down the the way the back should press the hole. Because I think – can't be in. Because I think that's where I'll, we were going to struggle is how the kick out. If a guard's by himself, how do they control that? And – but if you have your I'm, I'm taking notes center guard mainly has to be aggressive in these double teams to make sure yeah. that guy has a path yeah you got to get movement off of the front, front side or be confident that that backer is going to shoot down you want the you, you want you run the play to get the ball to bounce um to bounce out to me you don't, if it's going to be an interior hit you'd almost rather run inside zone to really get those guys flowing and get him uh, give you a chance to cut off the backside, mm-hmm. as opposed to washing everything down and giving you that the bounce read on duo. Yeah, I have to take notes. So tomorrow when I walk into the school, hey, I talked to a duo guy last night. And I'm trying to take notes yeah. and and figure this out, and so we can well, do it. Any, anything you need, just just let me know. I can send you some film or cut ups or anything like that. Um, and it's it's been uh, it's been my number one run for probably the last five years. And we had a lot of success with it. Did a lot of built a lot of things off of it. Um, so always happy to spread the gospel of duo. 
Oh, I I take everything. You know, wide zone was last year, duos this year. Um, do you think it's a complicated play to put in for people, or do you think it's actually very easy as long as it's repped a lot? To me, it's simple. Okay. Um, but it's all about how you're teaching it. If, you know, as long as you can clearly define it and give them concrete rules, again, back, backside gap to linebacker. If there's no – there's someone in your backside gap blocking. If there's no one there, check it for one step and climb. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, where where it does get complicated is you start guessing and you know, shifting and motioning all over the place and not not sure where your leverage is gonna be. Um, you know, the key to the play is having leverage on the ID. That is the number one thing that I'm looking for. So if you got a three technique play side and the white backers stacked to outside. That's not great leverage to run the play again because you want the ball to bounce. But if you get any sort of odd or under front where you where you have leverage to the ID, again, just create the wall front side, wash everything down, and give your back the option to keep it inside or, or bounce it wide. Yeah, that'll be the test is to get my kids to ID somebody. Because, yeah. you know, you have to – high school kids, you have to be like, oh, this is called a Mike linebacker. This is called a Will linebacker. Right. This is a Sam. Right. Maybe – and that might be the complicated part, but again, <laughs> if you can get them to understand the the nature of the play and what you're trying to do, you know, they're not, the kids can learn. You know, kids aren't dumb; they just have to be taught. Oh yeah, I, I just know the first day I walk in for a whiteboard and say, "Okay, here's plus and minus." I guarantee I already can already picture two of my kids. This is not math class. What are we doing with the plus <laughs> and minuses? I guarantee it. That's what's going to happen. But that's the, that's the beauty of the system is where. It does, again, you get a, a wide Mike backer and they invert down. Well, now, again, it's middle of three, so it's not necessarily Mike. Just just find the middle of three threats, and, and everyone's rules are based off that. Yeah, I, I took notes, and I'll be telling them. And that's exactly what they're going to tell me. You're going to write plus and minus on the board for these beautiful children. Yep, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's that's the one thing that it's a fine line when you install right you you draw it up in terms of sam mike will but guys in, in reality these are just x's who's ever occupying these spaces that's who we're trying to look at right and especially against the odd man front we always see it's probably pretty easy to figure out is what i'm going to tell them like hey right. there's always three or if they bump them out all they did is just move over a little bit right that's it right so someone's got to occupy these gaps especially in an odd front so that that first thing head up head up to inside of the play side tackle, that's where you want to go. You always again always want to give that play side tackle leverage on your ID. Right. That that's why I'm not the other too- way I've heard it the other way I've heard it done for the odd front again might simplify it a little bit is, is leave two. So you again if you're in an, an odd stack, um you're count two back from your the first backside backer so one two that third one should be your id because you always want it in two man section two two man uh combo sections right that, that, that's exactly what i was thinking like hey just count so if they move over yeah. you could still go one two right. there we go like that's right. that's what you want i was right. literally yeah. drawing that up right now like literally just drawing it up yeah yeah that's something I got into a little bit more with the pin pull stuff, um, you know, in terms of and leaving certain amount of players, uh, just because the the 
the looks could be a little bit varied, especially when you're going the perimeter out of out of bunch sets. So, you know, depending on what it was, it was it was leave one or you know telling the, who, the center who he's responsible for. And um, again, it, it, as long as it's clearly defined, there's no one right way to do it. Whatever works best within your system, and as long as the kids understand what the rule is, they're going to be mm-hmm. just fine. We just did for pin and pull. Hey, if you can down block, down block. If you're getting down blocked four, mm-hmm. you're probably the one pulling, and that's right. And we we saw a team this year on film when we were scouting a defense. They ran pin and pull, and we were like, "Wait a minute, what are they doing?" And they would pull the center even though he was had a guy head up because they were like that he's still occupying because I know he's probably going to follow him. So he was still like blocking Mm -hmm. somebody. Yeah. That's, that's my weekly dilemma against the odd teams are, are we pulling the center versus the nose or can we still get the down block done? And I I go back and forth on it. Yeah. I went back to the book sweep times where if it's odd man center, you could just cut him. Both guards. Yeah. Just guards go center. You got to cut him. Like you got to go that way and just cut him. And that's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, as long, as long as you know the rule, you can always survive. That's what it was. It was cut him or hook him, you know, and they're just stalemate him. If you just stalemate him, that's all I need for that. Because we should not, that guy shouldn't even make the play. You know, you're thinking right. he yeah. won't even be there. The same thought process get in the way, play side. Don't let him get in the backfield right now. Based on the back's aim point, he should outrun a nose. Just get the ball outside. That's why the backside on backside pin and pull. I used to just step hinge, and I got I was like, you know what? Screw it. Just just go at a deep angle and try to cut off the linebacker. That that backside end should not make the play. Shouldn't be there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that was my stupid, simple way of doing it. And then we started doing those condensed sets where we down block and 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 do all that. And it it actually became a play for us at the end of the year. Was you know tight end wing block down, pull around. It became it wasn't a toss, we just handed it off. Then we run a pop pass out of it. It became like the play for us. Yeah. You you build your packages, right? You you have your formations, you have ways to attack each field zone off of them and you keep the defense guessing and you limit the amount of looks you can see. When you live in limited formations, you know exactly what you can get and invest your practice time uh much more efficiently. We even did like two H-backs in the backfield and ran pin and pull. So we had guy come down, those two went, and the lineman went around. We you know, we yeah. were struggling this year. And so near the end, we were getting crazy a little bit. We were like, let's just do this. And it worked. As long as it works, right? It worked once or twice, and then they started to, you know, we got outrun or something. They would... It was whatever, but that's where we did. That's where the pop pass came in. So if we brought that guy down, mm-hmm. faked exactly. it, he just, just boom, he was right there. Exactly. Right. Have your compliments. Um. Well, coach, I know your computer's gonna die. You told me that, so we're gonna slowly. Yeah, you gotta work on a new power. <laughs> um. Well, I appreciate you coming on to talk about duo. I think you explained it very simply to me because that's all I need. I need it to be simple. Where I see it, when I see something said five different ways i go well well, wait a minute like i need something that's more simple i need something that is going to fit my brain um because i do coach other sports everything has to have a box in my brain somewhere where it has to sit there right you know our our coaches brains are like garages we put stuff in a box 
and then we don't grab it till we need it. It just sits there. Right. Yeah, you know exactly where it is when you need it. Well, that's that's why uh, our my office, the office in here, or the my room's always messy. But if it's messy, I know where it is. Though it's it's you know if I start moving it, yeah. it's my mess. I know exactly where it is. <laughs> it's my office. doesn't have to work for anybody else, but I'll I'll find it when I need it. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. I for sure am going to reach out again more about this for sure because I need to know more about it. Um, I'll probably wait till after your spring ball or whatever it is. Who knows? Um, but I appreciate you coming on. Um, what's your Twitter so I can put it in the bio for people to to be updated on Western Illinois? Uh, it's just at Coach Denicky. So Coach and then my my last name, no underscores or spaces or anything. Perfect. Uh, but thanks for having me on. This was this was a lot of fun. Um, again, anything you need, just don't ever hesitate to reach out. Um, if you're ever back down this part of the state, feel free to stop by. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Well, uh, guys, thanks for watching or listening, and we will see you guys next time.